Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Just back from Las Vegas. Definitely had pocket sevens busted by pocket fives. Not yeah. happy about it. Not happy about that. But I'm very happy to be back with my colleague, NBA futures analyst, Brandon Anderson. Today, we are going to guess the win totals. That's the whole point of this exercise. So the win totals aren't out yet, and I'm digging around to see whether or not some of this is impacted by Kevin Durant, the ongoing situation with the Brooklyn Nets, as well as the Andre Aiden not having been quite figured out as we record this on a Tuesday midday. The, by the time you hear this, this could be solved. So the Aiden component could be figured out. Things could be dramatically different, but we can't wait. So we're going to go ahead and do this. We thought it'd be a really good exercise for us because when the win totals drop, you want to have an idea of, of what to expect. You want to have an idea of where you want to be because oftentimes when those lines drop first, Brandon, there's a lot of value. Like bulls came in at like 40 and a half last year. And by the time that they closed, it was like 43, 44 and a half. Those early lines are going to get hit. So like it is with anything, sometimes when the lines are fresh off the market, you can find inequalities, especially in my opinion, in the win win totals before consensus impacts the betters, which impacts the market. So this gives you kind of a guide for what to be looking for before those win totals come out for the NBA. Yeah, I'm excited for this. I kind of looked at last year's Vegas totals. Obviously, they're kind of moving around, but just the the median one looked at wins, expected wins, you know, all all the advanced metric stuff. I'm a nerd in that way. All the SRS, O and D ratings, and just trying to get a sense of, okay, before I did the Vegas totals, where am I at on this team? Where, where would I put like a projected win total range? And then, okay, but now I'm the book. And if I'm the book, where am I setting this lines? Remember, the line is not necessarily trying to predict the outcome. It's trying to get equal money on both sides. And that is a little different in some of these cases. We know like with LA, New York, how they tend to juice it. And I, I did find the Kevin Durant part of the equation really challenging because there are like, there are like six teams on the board between the two conferences where I was like, I kind of don't really want to post a number here yet. I'm not sure I want money coming on either side when things could swing a lot. So we'll talk about some of those teams when we get there, but yeah, it's it's a fun exercise and I definitely have a handful of teams earmarked to grab the over and under as soon as I can. So let's start with, we're going to go in alphabetical order and let's just start with the Atlanta Hawks Uh, win total last year. I, I have a I have an average line that I took from points bet, Superbook, DraftKings, FanDuel, Circa, Bet MGM, and Caesars. This was at close. So I've got a good healthy amount of that range. And we, we're gonna look at the average line of it. The average win total for the Hawks last year was 47. They won 43 games. Their Pythagorean expectation was 44 and a half-ish. So 
DeJounte Murray added, obviously, for a huge number of draft picks. No Daniel Gallinari. Uh, Lou Williams still out there floating as a free agent. You've got John Collins still on the board, on the Hawks. Clint Capella still on the Hawks. Bogdanovich still on the Hawks. So Kevin Herter's gone. DeLon Wright is gone. Where do you have the Hawks for a win total for next season? Yeah, Danilo Gallinari also gone. It, mm-hmm. It's weird because, you know, the Hawks were in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago, and they were the team that they were, they seemed to be kind of that everyone's darling team last year. And everyone expected, okay, young team took a big step. Now they take a big step forward. Then they take a big step back. So now where do you set expectations? And I, and I feel like just somewhere in the middle is about right. So I put the line at 45 and a half. That's a couple wins more than where they're at last year. It's just barely above where their expected win total was. I think it feels about right to me. I could go like a win either way, but 45 and a half for me. I'm going to bump mine down by a half based off of uh, what we talked about. I had it at 46 and a half. I'm going to go ahead and put it at 46 flat. This feels okay. like a team that, that will not, that will actually wind up without the hook. Um mm because 46 feels very much on the dot for me. If you look at it from the perspective of they underperformed last year, and boy, was I big on the Hawks over last year. That hurt so bad. (laughs) Uh, DeJounte makes them better, but they underperformed last year. So you take a a 43 win team and you look at at adding DeJounte Murray, you tick that up some uncertainty with what they're going to do with the rotation, lose a little bit of depth. Again, a lot of, I, I was talking to people at summer league and I was asking like, what do you think the Hawks are doing? And a common, a common reply was talking constantly about doing whatever it is they're not doing. Like they keep talking about, <laughs> we want to move Collins. We really want to get like the whole thing was there was this big buzz about, they think Okongwu is great. They really want to get more minutes for Okongwu and Clint Capella still on the team. So, yeah. you know, th- this seems like a team that's probably right for some mid season trades and, and yeah. looks very different by the end of the year. And that's one reason why, Brandon, I think there's probably I don't necessarily know if you want to bet Hawks. I don't know if this is going to be one that I'm going to have on my on my betting board. Like I used to bet all these totals and I've stopped doing that because I really don't know if there's going to be value. I think this team could be wildly different by the end of the year for better, for worse. And in that kind of 42 at above 500 to 49, where you start being a really good Eastern Conference team, there's a lot of variance in there. So my inclination, I'm not looking to bet Hawks when they when they first hit the board, no matter what the number is, unless we get something crazy. Like if it's 41 and a half, okay, yeah, I'll bet the over. If it comes in at 51 and a half, I'm definitely going to bet the under. Yeah, I, I would lean over based on where we're projecting it, but I agree. It's not really what I'm looking to bet. It's, it's not an outright stay away. I think, like you said, if anything, I think the number could come in a little low. I agree, though. John Collins and Clint Capella, I don't think that either or both of those guys are in the final version of what a Trey and DeJounte team is going to look like. Yeah. And I don't think Atlanta thinks that either. More importantly, Collins, they've been trying to move for like, what, three years now, every single trade rumor. And I think Okongwu, especially as the team gets expensive, they're going to need to move him into the lineup and get Capella's salary off the books. It feels like an unfinished product. And I think that the move is coming later. So I'll be careful there. Next up is the Boston Celtics, who had a boy did they helped me out with with a, the late run to hit the over on them uh their average line was 46 on the win total they won 51 their expected number for <laughs> cleaning the glass was 58.8 per 82 Ooh. so they were expected to be a 59 win team 
So this kind of tells you, if you look at it, they still underperformed expectations based off of, uh, off of how they finished with only 51 wins. Um, when I look at this team trying to project where they're going to be, this is a really interesting one, right? So 58 and a half is the, is the Pythagorean expected 46 last year. They outperformed that by five. I'm not willing to say that they are def- like, this is the challenge of the movie. We talked about all year after when they started going on this run, basically from March on, I am not still not Brandon. I'm still not in. That's the real <laughs> Celtics. I just think that they overperformed expectations by such a high degree, even though it's like, yeah, but the, the Pythagorean says that they underperformed, but like those numbers were crazy. Like they had the best offensive rating in two thousand years, like since the Mesopotamians, I just, <laughs> I don't buy it. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and be a little bit more conservative on this okay. and I'm going to put them even with Malcolm Brogdon, I'm going to put them at 52 and a half. Wow. Okay. So I'm at 55 and a half here. Okay. And I, no, I, think felt, it's fair. I, I felt like I was being a little conservative for, from what I could see. 56 and a half was about the highest number on the board last year. I think that's about where the Nets and Lakers were at. I'm wanting Boston to be the highest number on my board. Do, uh, do you have a number higher than Boston on your board? I do. I have several numbers higher than Boston. Okay. On my board. But this is actually interesting. Cause like we talked about this is when we started talking about this exercise, we we're like, this is going to be like a workshop for it. And like, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to bump them up. Cause I think you're right. Like, I think putting them at 52 and a half is, is I'm ignoring the public and I'm ignoring yeah. the fact that they're the title favorite. I can't have right. the title favorite at 52 and a half. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to get way too much money on your over at 52 yeah. and a half. And you, you want an even spread. Uh, I think maybe, you know, I debated, I initially had a 56 and a half and that just felt a little too high. Here, here's where I'm stuck is I believe in the team. We know this, we know this from the year. I believe in the defense they basically have seven good starters on this team. I don't remember seeing a team so deep with really quality starters like Brogdon, Marcus Smart, Derek White. We're going to have two of those guys coming off the bench uh, or one of them and Time Lord or Hal- Al Horford off the bench. Gallinari is the eighth man on the team. I don't really need him in a playoff rotation doing too much, but a regular season, just getting some buckets like, there's just a lot of talent on this team. Tatum Brown made steps forward in the second half of the year while the defense was leaping forward. Uh, we know that they're well coached. I always love to bet on teams with great defenses. I have project Boston 56 to 64 wins. I want an over here. Even at my number, 55 and a half, every projected total I have is above that. They're way above your projected total. Here's my problem. We know, we know the one thing you can't do is bet the over on the highest total on the board. We yep. know that that is never yep. good business. So I'm going to be careful, but I like Boston a lot. I think that their depth and their defense gives them a very high floor. Okay. So I'm, I'm bumping up Boston to 56 and a half. You're right. That like they're, they're the title favorite. I need to have them at the highest number on the board. So I'm bumping them to 56 and a half. Uh, the number one team with the highest, the team with the highest win total has gone under in nine of the last 13 seasons. That's nine and four to the under. Uh, So that's enough to me. Look, uh, Al Horford had a great bounce back season. What if he starts to age out? Jason Tatum's got a lot of miles on him. What if that's kind of weird? Derek White was really good last year, but Derek White's been an inconsistent player. Time Lord has injury concerns. Malcolm Brogdon has a ton of injury concerns. 
So there's a lot of ways this, this goes sideways. I'm not, I am definitely not going to be betting the over, but I don't think I'm going to be betting the under because this team is really good and they're very well coached. And I think that there's, I think I'd be being too cute expecting a, a pullback, but check back with me by the time September rolls around. <laughs> if this number comes out at like 59 and a half, if they're projecting them anywhere, like Ooh. again, the Nets were 56 and a half. So I don't think we will, but if we get above 57 and a half, I think I'm going to have to take an under just yeah. based off of the trend. Well, and the thing is too, Miami was the one seed this year at 53 wins. Yeah. Like uh, a thing I'm trying to be careful of here is, are we just, are we ever going to get 60 win teams anymore? We just, like this regular season, the way that teams are being careful now after the three seasons of pandemic mess and teams are resting so much and not necessarily going hard for seeding all the time. I think that anything on the high end extreme, we have to be really careful of looking for an over. Okay, we're going to do this. <laughs> we're going to do Brooklyn. Brooklyn's win total last year, they projected uh, the average was 56.2. Yep. <laughs> Uh, they won 44 games. Their expected Pythagorean was 43.6. So they were actually better. <laughs> they were about 0.4 wins better than they should have been based off of the Pythagorean expectation. Um, I did two numbers for this. It's okay to just say like, we're, this is off the board. Cause like this number will not pop until they figure out the KD deal. Even yeah. if books is like, I don't think books will want to put up the rest of the numbers before uh, KD gets figured out. But if they do, Brooklyn, um, if KD's not figured out, they haven't like, either said they're not trading him or like whatever, they're, they're not going to put a number on the board. With KD and Kyrie, if they run it back, I have them at 49 and a half. Okay. 46 wins last year. I think the, the bench is worse. I don't think Ben Simmons you can necessarily put as a positive right now. So putting them on the hook of a 50-win team Maybe they, they would get hit with the over enough for it to be 51 and a half, but I don't know how you can justify justify putting this number higher. This may be one where like the softer books put this at 51 and a half and a book like Superbook puts this at like 47. Like Superbook's willing to, to be more aggressive with like, no, they're not good. The Superbook's always been kind of a, of that mindset. So with Katie, Katie and Kyrie, I have them at 49 and a half. If they lose both of those guys with like an average expected return, I am at 39 and a half even if they get back Bridges and Aiton, even if they get back OG and Trent, um, even if they, honestly, if they get back Scotty Barnes, I, I'm, there's no scenario that doesn't involve them getting Devin Booker or Bama to bio where I see them winning their win total being over 40 games if they lose Katie and Kyrie. So I'm just going to let you carry this one for the most part. I basically said off the board, like I just... Yeah. In no scenario, if I'm the book, am I offering a line on Brooklyn? I think this could drag. This We could go another month or two on this for all I know. Not not source. Just uh, That's just my feeling. And I'm going to have to list numbers. I want to get the money coming in all the rest of these teams. So I'm going to have to put numbers up, even though, uh, what, what do I do with Toronto? What do I do with Phoenix? These other KD destinations. What do I do with yeah. the Lakers if Kyrie goes? All that I kind of had to factor in. But for Brooklyn itself, I'm just off the board uh, I am apparently much lower on them, assuming that these guys get traded than you. I put a placeholder in just to kind of keep track of overall NBA wins. My placeholder number for them is 25 and a half. Like Ooh. I'm expecting a bottom out. Here's the thing too. Everyone talks about, well, they're not going to tank because they don't have their draft pick anyway. Well, they kind of do. They have 
Houston owns their swap rights. Well, guess what? Houston is terrible this year. So Houston, if you swap with Houston, you're still going to be picking like fifth or sixth in the draft. Probably it's still nice to get that pick. Like this is one year they actually can tank a little bit there. So I don't know. I don't feel like the returns are going to be great for Kevin Durant. I think it's probably going to be like Russell Westbrook or offloading his contract. And I'm not sure it's going to be guys that move the needle. So I think Brooklyn could turn into a tank team. That's why they're just totally off the board for me. They're going to have veterans. I think if they have veterans, then I'm going to feel like they're going to be able to win more games than some of the other teams. But I'm not going to be, uh, we'll see what they look like at the end. It's going to take a lot for me to be like, who can't wait to bet the Brooklyn Nets over. <laughs> that's going to take a while yeah. for me to, to buy into. Uh, let's move on to Charlotte since that's such a mess. Uh, Charlotte's expected last year or their average line, 37.9. So around 38, they won 43. Their Pythagorean was 44. Uh, this was another one that I got absolutely crushed on. So this one killed me because I really thought this was an under team. I still don't really understand how they won 44 games. Don't <laughs> don't understand it at all. And it's not like LaMelo had a great season. Um, as we stand here on, on Tuesday, I am not currently expecting Miles Bridges to be with the team, at least to start the season. I don't know if he'll be resigned. I don't know if he'll face a multi-year suspension for the domestic violence charges. I would hope the NBA pursues uh, that the investigation so i don't know what to do but that's a big loss for them obviously on the court is miles bridges it's not as important as the off-court stuff but that's a, a significant loss I, how did they get better what who who did they get that makes them them better i don't have anybody on this road like i i'm not blown away by mark williams like there's nothing here for me to feel like charlotte improved in any sort of way and you're talking about a, a significant loss. Uh, I'm actually bumping them back and thinking that that the bookmakers will be a little bit stickier with theirs from last year. Uh, I am putting them at 38 wins. So I'm with you on everything you just said. I don't get it. I don't understand what this team did to win 43 games. I My instinct is I'm out on Charlotte this year. I don't feel good about them at all. And then I look at it, I'm like, well... I'm assuming no Miles Bridges this year. That's a loss for them, but it's not like he's this mega star. Like it, it shouldn't move the win total needle a ton. And otherwise the team is mostly the same as last year. And I just feel much worse about them. My number is 36 and a half. This was one for me where like when I initially did all the teams, I ended up cumulatively like 10 wins higher than I wanted to be. And as I kind of went back and was like, okay, well, let's take another win away here. Let's bump this one down. If I'm a book, Charlotte, I, I'm just going to bump them down. I'm just not that worried about money pouring in on the Charlotte Hornets over. And that's going to make or break me. Like, I just, I don't think this team is that great. I'm not sure that they're even necessarily a play-in team. I think they're on the fringe of getting into the play-in. And in the East, 36 and a half, 38 and a half. I think I probably started there where you had 38 and a half and then just kind of bumped down another win or two. But even then I look under on this team. The problem is I didn't like re-signing or bringing back Steve Clifford as a head coach. You liked it more than I did, but Steve Clifford teams tend to really make a nice jump defensively in the first year. So this probably is going to end up being someone to stay away from me, but it's just, it's not a team I'm excited about. 
Gordon Hayward's minutes, I think, are are also a thing here where they were a lot better when he was on the floor. Um, maybe LaMelo makes a, a jump here, which is another reason for me to be kind of skeptical about it. I will say if we're wrong and this number pops at, you know, because they won 44 last season, if this if they jump at 41 and a half, I'm probably going to bet the under. Yeah, uh, Hayward, by the way, they were 25 and 23 when Hayward played last year. So basically the same uh, win rate as their their season total. That's yeah. I think there's a little bit of noise in there based off of like there was a late season like stretch where they just did it. In general, their numbers with with and without Hayward because we were tracking on NBA bet streams that basically like you could fade them consistently without Hayward and they wouldn't cover. And so I think that's part of the, the equation too. Maybe like if the, if it doesn't line up with when the schedule gets soft, that probably changes things. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, all right, let's go to I, I'm dreading this conversation. The Chicago Bulls. Um, <laughs> all right, so last year, like I said. There was an open at 40 and a half. Their closing was 42.8. That was where they got to. There were 43 and a halfs in the market. By the time that it closed, uh, I grabbed it at 40. I grabbed it at 39 and a half, at 40, 40 and a half, 41 and a half. I took multiple bets on that month by month on Chicago early, and they all cashed as they won 46 games. Uh, Pythagorean expectation for the Bulls last season was only 40.4. So, like, the tail, the drop-off was significant. This was a good team, and they got really, really, really hurt. Now, the fact that Lonzo Ball is still not, like, back, that Billy Donovan's like, well, you know, he's working his way. Progress, that's concerning. But, like, losing Caruso was was brutal. Zach Levine, I think, had two bouts with COVID. They had one of the worst out, out uh, COVID outbreaks in the league in December, uh, it was a mess of a year for them, and their floor is still really high when you have DeRozan and Levine and Vucevic, who I think is going to have a better season next season than last. I don't think Vucevic is like is, is rotting. I think that he's still going to be pretty solid. I think last year there was a lot of weird stuff that went on with him. Like he was missing bunnies, which is not something that Vuce does. Like Vuce is not going to lose the ability to make bunnies, so that's still going to be pretty good. Um, some internal development with Patrick Williams and Ayo Desunu, so. There's some value there. I am projecting a little bit of a dip for them based off of the Lonzo stuff and some of the Pythagorean stuff. So I put their win total at 45 and a half. Okay. That's exactly where I have them actually. Okay. 45 and a half. Yep. I basically, again, they won 46 last year. To me, this is a prove it spot. If I'm the book, I'm saying, okay, go ahead. Win 46 again, hit the over, get your, get your last year's total and do it. And yeah, the, the, the Pythagorean and the expected win total being so far down is a concern, but then it was so far down because they just totally fell off the rails the last couple of months of the season when everyone was hurt. They just, the first couple of months were great. They were the one seed for a while, and then they just never got everyone healthy again. And the perimeter defense suffered without Lonzo and Caruso. I always felt like early in the season, there, there were moments where DeMar DeRozan was high in the MVP list. There were moments earlier where Levine was getting some MVP hype. I always felt like that was a, a misconstrued way of looking at the team. This to me was a really, really good five man lineup when they had Caruso and Lonzo out there and Vooch and the two stars, the two stars are doing the scoring, but I think that the strength of the team was those five together much better than I ever gave it credit for. Like you bet the over, you bet the over a bunch of times. I was way out on the Bulls. I was way under on the Bulls. I was way wrong on the Bulls. The five-man lineup is good. I think they have to prove it, though. So I think 45 and a half is yeah. about right. 
it's right about in in my middle of my range where I'd expect them. I think that that's just where we're going to land on them. Anything 46 and a half, 47 and a half, I'm probably going to go ahead and bet the under. Maybe not heavy. I'll put go light on it. But if that's where it pops, I'll go there. If they follow what's kind of been the vibe around the team, everyone's like really disappointed with the offseason and they put it at 42 and a half. I think there's probably value on the over. I know this is a tight window, but I do think this is a team that like the number really matters. I think with the bulls more than a lot of them, it depends on where the books kind of estimate and then how much public money they're expecting to get on them. Let's go to the Cavs, who obviously had an incredible season. Uh, I bet the under mostly built off of the fact that as much as I like him as a coach, JB Bickerstaff had literally never ever hit the win total over in any season as a head coach. Well, guess what? That streak ended last year as the Cleveland Cavaliers, had a 27.3 average line on their win total, and they won 44 games. And that's with an injury drop-off of significant portions at the end of the year. They were Pythagorean expectation at 45.8, close to 46. So they win 44. They should have won 46. They were Their win total uh, was in the 27 range. So obviously big hits on the over there. That thing clinched basically by January, I think is when it actually clinched. Yeah, I think that was um, the first one. <laughs> so Colin Sexton still unsigned. Haven't figured that out yet. Um, they bring back Rubio. Rubio is going to miss time, obviously coming off the ACL. So they bring in Raul Neto, which I thought was a really smart kind of addition yeah. for them. Darius Garland comes back on a, on a max extension and you've got obviously Evan Mobley and Jared Allen as the kind of the core there along with Markinen. So I went ahead and just basically what I did was, I factored, all right, if they won, they were on pace for 40, um, for 46 internal development. I went a little high here because I think the team that they're going to be a, I think they're going to be a team that sharps are looking to play. I think they're expecting sharp plays on this rather than the public. Uh, Teams like Cleveland, by the way, will always have a little bit of a truncation because the non-public teams get this. Memphis got this consistently and Utah got this consistently. So I'm putting them at 46 and a half. I oh. may take them back down to 45 and a half based off of how the market tends to hold down small market teams. What's your number? My number for Cleveland is 43 and a half. So we're okay. a little bit off on this one. I'm very high on Cleveland. So I don't know, like the, of, of all the Eastern teams we're going to talk about today, Cleveland Cavs over, even at your number, I want the Cavs over. This is my favorite play on the board over or under. Give me the Cavs over. I like the team a lot. I don't know if the books are going to anticipate people liking the Cavs a lot. And maybe you're right. Maybe they said hi because sharps and, and folks who do this as a business are going to take that over. And maybe that's enough. I think that they would anticipate the public being like, yeah, okay. That, that was cute. That was cute, Cleveland. But then it got real in the second half of the year, and then you weren't good anymore, and you didn't even make the playoffs. You lost in the play-in. Like, I feel like that's going to be what the perception is, is, well, that was fun, nice run. It wasn't ever real. We never believed in you, and then it got real, and then you weren't good. See, we knew you weren't good. I don't think that's true. I think Garland and and uh, Mobley and Allen, that trio – is on the rise. And we have every reason to believe all three of those guys, especially Mobley as a sophomore, should be much better this year. I agree. I love the Rubio and Neto combo. They brought in Robin Lopez as another big man. Love it. Like just 
a perfectly good veteran big dude to come in and just be part of the rotation, give some minutes off. I think it's going to be a really good defense. Uh, basketball reference had their expected wins as 47, so even higher than the 46 number that you had. That total was even further apart earlier in the year. Before the wheels fell off late, they were like under their projected by like six wins. Like they were the number one Eastern SRS team and some yeah. of the other fancy metrics until the last like two months of the season. So I have 43 and a half, kind of again, a, a prove it number. Like go ahead, match your 44 from last year. I think based on what you're saying, I think you're right. I'm going to bump it to 44 and a half, but I want the over. I project them 46 to 54 wins. Like this to me is a team that can be a home court team in the East. And this is my favorite over on the board at either one of our numbers. If this number is below 45, I'm betting the over. If this number is above 48 and a half, I'll probably go under slight. If it's above, I, it won't be 49. If it were to be, I would obviously be on the under. Yeah, no. But look, I think you're, <clears throat> there's probably a better chance that it comes closer to yours. Um, and maybe we're wrong and they just run it back at 44, right? Just run it back at the exact sure. number from last year, which factors like maybe they drop off. Maybe the injuries are concerned. I think the injuries are something to keep an eye on. Um, if Darius sure. Garland ha- doesn't have quite as good of a season, like the offense was really pretty rough. And right. I don't know how much that they have, they have improved on that. So yeah, they finished uh, 20th in offensive rating at basketball reference. So yeah. if the offense falls off further or the defense drops out of the top 10, yeah, the, the floor could be a little lower than I'm giving it credit for here. Yeah. Well, one thing I did try to consider though, once I had all the teams ranked, I kind of said, okay, sort by top to bottom win totals. And then I compared to just like on DraftKings, on FanDuel, give me the title odds. And I know title odds aren't the same as win totals, but Cleveland is getting no credit on, on title odds or Eastern Conference odds right now. Like they're, they're really buried. They're well below teams like Atlanta, Chicago, kind of in that middle tier of the East. So that was part of what I factored into uh, assuming a similar, you know, disrespect towards the win total line when I pushed a little lower there. Let's go to the league past darlings, the Detroit <laughs> Pistons. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. Uh, their line last year was 25. They won 23. I had the under that hit. Uh, Pythagorean expectation for the Detroit Pistons only at uh, 21.8. Makes sense. They were you know tanking and bad the first part of the year, although they were really competitive late in the year as we bet them continuously against the spread, and, and that was hitting. They were worse than their actual below expectation, but they do add obviously uh, Jaden Ivey. That's a big bump. Internal development. They did find their their groove later in the year, so I'm actually bumping them a little bit, Brandon. I think this is a a good young team. I'm actually bumping them up to 27 and a half, and I'm probably going to like the over a little bit here. Interesting. So I have them at 24 and a half, basically just about where they're at last year. One of my kind of trends as a better betting on team totals is that if you are a team that has a young player with the ball in their hands a lot, a rookie point guard, especially, and in Detroit's case, two guys, two guys that are young, maybe three, if you count Killian Hayes, I don't know how much they're going to play him, but Killian and Ivy and Cade still young with the ball in their hands a lot. You're, you're going to make a lot of mistakes and you're going to make some turnovers. You're probably going to have pretty poor offense coming out of that. It'll be fun. We want to watch them, but I don't know that necessarily leads to wins. I was surprised to see in the East that there wasn't necessarily any one team that just was like, well, they're terrible. They're, they're, they're the worst team in the East. I don't really have that team. There were two teams, 
Detroit and Orlando, the two teams from last year that seem like, well, these are probably the tank teams, but I'm not sure Detroit or Orlando thinks they're a tanking team. I think they want to win. I think they're going to try at the beginning of the season and feel like, I think Detroit is going to come out and think that they can make a push for the play-in this year. I don't think they can, but I think they're going to play at the beginning of the season like they think they can. And that always is a bit of a worry on the, on the total. Maybe 24 and a half is a little low. Uh, in that mid-20s range, I kind of lose sight of where the number ought to be. But they're probably just going to end up a stay away from me because I don't. Th- I think they're going to end up tanking just because the team isn't good enough yet but I, I think it's going to end up somewhere in that, in that middle range. I'm going to be on the over. I'll just tell you right now, especially if we get a 24 and a half, I'm going to be on the over. Uh, if it's 27 and a half, which is where I put it at, I'm probably still going to be on the over. I'll go lighter. Uh, this team was competitive down the stretch. Like they figured out some stuff. And honestly, like a lot of this is, it's funny to hear you say this. Like we argued a lot about Cade last year because you were like, Cade's the best player in the class, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, yeah, but ROI you know, and we were both wrong because Jalen Green sucked <laughs> the first half of the year. Um, I just think Cade's going to have a phenomenal second season. He showed enough. Like he made a late, he made a late push despite the Pistons and him shooting at like 1940s levels for the first three months of the season. They're going to be so much better. They're going to be so much better, especially with some of the development of the young. Like they have good bigs. They have good bigs now. Uh, I like their wings better. Livers is showing a lot in summer league play. I think this team is going to be not good, but decent. And so uh, I'm going to be looking for the over on the Detroit Pistons. I think they're going to be undervalued by the market. And honestly, my number is probably high. Again, factoring in that small market effect that we talk about, because those teams are always kind of truncated. Yeah, I I think if it is 27 and a half, I probably would end up playing an under rather than staying away. it's hard to look at the roster and where the changes are at and basically be like, didn't this team just swap out Jeremy Grant, their best player for Jaden Ivey, a rookie. I know it's not really that simple and there's going to be a lot of development, but though Jared, like to me, Jeremy made them worse last year because he was so ISO centric. Like you would watch the Pistons and be like, Oh, the offense is, and there's Jeremy Grant ISOing again. Like I, I genuinely think that's a, I think that's addition by subtraction. Yeah, that, that's fair. But any of these teams are going to end up in the 20s. We, we know. We know how tanking works in the NBA. And if but, you are in that range and want to increase your chances at the end of the year, that worries me. I know you want to, you want to win. You want to develop culture. You want Cade and Ivy and Duran to go learn how the, to win. No, late. it's the Wolves, Brandon. It's the same, it's the same thing. It's, the, it's, that, it's what the Wolves did last year that you were so pissed about when they were trying to win games instead of tanking late in the year. I they didn't do it this year when they had, were way closer to getting a top pick. I genuinely think that they will probably, I don't think that they'll tank. I, even with Victor out there, I don't think the Pistons will tank. I think that they'll genuinely try and build. Um, Let's go to the Indiana Pacers, which, Oh boy, this one is tough. tough. Uh, The average last year was 42.8. They won 25 games. We, sure took, did. we took a bath, Ra and I did on this. We loved this over. I think that was Ra's first pick was the Indiana, Indiana over. Rick Carlisle, good team, all this talent. And it just fell apart for a number of reasons. Uh, chemistry and injuries being the top ones. They, they had horrific losses early in clutch time. And it was like, oh those losses just basically broke them and they would stop trusting each other. And then guys got 
Like they sat Brogdon out most of the year to make sure his Achilles didn't explode. Um, so now it's a totally new team. Tyrese Halliburton, obviously Hallie is like the, the big MIP pick from Joe. Uh, you've got Duarte, you've got Matherin. They're rebuilding young. Um, we'll see if they get DeAndre Ayton. I, <laughs> I had a really hard time with this one. Uh, I wound up going with after a 25 win win season. I wound up going uh, 29 and a half on them. I had them basically within the same range as some other young teams. I will probably look to play an under, but I think that Hallie's going to get enough of a bump that I can see them having a, a, a 29 and a half, a 30 ish. Uh, win total what do you got yeah i have a 27 and a half and i had a similarly tough time brooklyn i had off the board otherwise this was the toughest one for me to draw a line 29 and a half how you have it somewhere in that range i think feels about right i would if it's my number i would lean over on this one i think that the floor in this team is a little higher than people would give credit for we don't know we'll see even by the time you listen to this but it sounds like ayton might be coming in ayton and halliburton and duarte buddy healed that's like a decent team. That's not a squad. Yeah. But it's a decent roster. Halliburton is good, man. Like Matherin looks ready to go. Like to me, this is a tank question. It is, is this team, does Indiana want to do the winning culture thing and try to push for the playoffs? Or do they, do they like, oh, Halliburton, oh, did, oh, is your pinky okay? Did you hurt your pinky? Because, oh, hey, why don't you just sit out the last six weeks? We want to get that pick. We need a star. The, the roster doesn't have a star. Halliburton is not going to be that guy. I don't think he's going to be really good, but he should be a supporting a star player. They need a chance to go get the star. Maybe Matherin is it, but they could use another high pick. So it's another one of those where I don't know if I have a good read on the intentions yet, but I, if you told me they were going to try, I would like an over here because I think the roster is good enough in a East that's weak at the bottom for them to kind of be in that mix with a Charlotte or a Washington of the world but it's a hard read to get a team to get a read on. So again, we have kind of this, the, the tension here between the sharp slash, like the NBA internet and the public, sure. like the public number is probably like 25 and a half. Yeah. The public is just out on Indiana. This the, team is garbage. Get, get out of here. The, the internet is probably like 29, maybe 30 <laughs> and a half. Yeah. Um, I kind of lean with the public here. Look, I like Tyrese Halliburton, but everybody's just getting, getting, getting a little because he's also, he was also one of the draft Twitter guys. Like Hallie crosses like every box for, for people being putting the cart a little bit for the horse. Um, I, I don't know, like the buddy, he'll maybe get dealt, may, may get dealt. I'm expecting Miles Turner to be in the deal if, if they do the, the Satan thing. Maybe not because they'll have space, but they got, I mean, I would say they got to move tar- Turner, but they haven't for two years. Um, they lost all their veterans. I, I kind of, if this number, if I'm, if, if it's more along with the public, if it's like 25 and a half, I'm probably going to stay away. If it's 29 and a half, I'm probably going to go under. If it's like 22 and a half, which I don't expect, I don't think there's any way it's 22 and a half. But if it was like 22 and a half, 23 and a half, I'd lean over, but probably not bet it. The only way I'll just tell you, the only way I'm betting Indiana is if I'm betting an under. That's the only way I'm looking for it because I do think that there's 
this is I do not think this is like a sneaky good team. I think this is a sneaky fun team, and fun is not the same as good. So uh, my projected win total for Indiana is twenty five to thirty five, and that yeah. that is I think the widest range on my board, at least in the East, it is just because I, I don't know if they're going to try at the end. I'm not the same as you on this one. I I think that I don't think they're a sneaky good team. I think they're a sneaky competent team. I think they just have a bunch of quality guys who are NBA players. And in the East, that seems like it's enough for you to get in the the 10 seed race. Because, yeah, because like Charlotte and Washington are my other 10 seed teams right now. And I can see a world where Indiana packs it in and is the bottom of the East. And they just like pull out Halliburton, Aiton, whoever the center is. If they try, but if they try, you think that Indiana finishes at or better than Washington's record? I think they can. I think they're right in that same mix of guys and, you know, Washington, we'll get to them. They have some of the same questions, but I think like, I think Indiana could get to a mid thirties win total, which could get them a 10 seed in a playoff game, a play in game. But okay. that's about it. When we get off of this, I'm going to, I'm going to give you odds on them not to win 35 games. <laughs> games. That's the you. high end of my range. Don't, uh, don't give, give me odds on my high end outcomes I, of things. I, that's I can't. Okay. Let's that. do Miami. Cause Miami right. was the team that got this whole argument started between us. Uh, Miami last year, their average line was 48. They won 53. Their Pythagorean expectation over at cleaning the glass uh, was 53.6. So right in line with where they finished number one seed in the East. uh, They lose PJ Tucker, which is a significant loss. Marcus Morris or Markeith Morris, pardon me, has not re-signed. There is talk around the league that likely he comes back at the end of the cycle. That's likely going to be their, their power forward is they don't um, have one right now. Uh, They draft uh, Jovic. So Jovic. Jovic, pardon me, Nikola Jovic. So no big additions and they lose PJ Tucker, which sounds big. I don't know how big it is. Um, Based off of their success last year at 53 wins, I have a hard time dropping them considerably, but I did drop them to 48 and a half as my win total. Okay, well, that's a little different than when we were talking about this before. I have them at 50 and a half. Uh, I did everything with halves, so, so maybe I, I might go to just 50 here. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, just, this is really funny. So we did, this was what started the argument. Here's what, what Brandon and I both did, okay? I think they're better than Brandon thinks, but I think the, pub, the book will put them at 48 <laughs> and a half and they'll go over. Brandon thinks that they're garbage, and so, but he thinks that the, the book will respect them. So we put them at 50 and a half and thinks that they'll go under. That's like, that's the complex dynamics of our interweaving <laughs> narratives here. It is. I, I do not think that they're garbage. I have yes, them basically do. right around 50 wins. I, I just, I have a hard time. I don't think the line at 48 and a half makes sense for the book because this team was a Jimmy Bucket or Jimmy, Jimmy Butler runner away from being in the finals as the defending one seed, even without Kevin Durant, which I don't think that's happening there. I just think, a defending one seed, a bucket away from the finals is going to have to get some respect. And I don't think you can put the line below 50 because people are going to look at that and be like, all I have to do is win 50 with that team. That's that fair. team that almost just made the finals. That's fair. So for me, Miami will be an under or pass. I definitely won't be taking the over. Cause like you said, I think they're garbage. No, I don't think they're garbage, but I think there's a lot more downside than upside to the team. I worry about Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. I worry about the age and the injuries but, and the mileage on the team. And I worry about not having your fifth starter 
I think PJ Tucker is a real loss to what was a great defense. So I, I just think there's a lot more reason to be pessimistic than optimistic here. My problem with your logic is like, Brandon, they were the team that missed everybody. They have one of the worst missing game rates over at mangameslost.com of any team. And they just kept plugging like, oh, Bam's out. We have no center. Yurtsevin steps in and plays great for two months. Like, oh, uh, Duncan Robinson has fallen off of a cliff. Guess what? Like, Max comes in and just does a great job. Like, they just found ways to get this done. Like, the heat, the heat infrastructure of Eric Spolstra and that front office that finds talent is too good. Like, they're good when guys are missing. Lowry missed significant time butler missed significant time bam missed months tucker had to miss time marquise morris who was expected to be a key part of the rotation got hit by Jokic and was out the entire season essentially but they win because eric spolstra is the best coach in the nba and that infrastructure along with a great front office by annie ellisberg and adam simon with obviously pat riley at the top they are too good you might be right though that the number on that I put is too low. Like I was kind of like getting getting impacted by the the perception of them. It probably is going to be, be north of fifty. If they put it at like fifty three and a half, well, yeah, let's That's bet the yeah, let's bet, let's bet the under. If it's fifty and a half, I'm probably going to bet the over. Yeah, like I, this team is I, consistent. I think I'm just at fifty. I don't. I didn't have any uh, solid numbers, but I think it's just a. Is this a fifty win team? Let's put it right at the number. They can also be, by the way, a fifty. They can be a 50 and a half win total team, go over and still be fourth in the East pretty easy. Oh, like just because yeah. just because last year the numbers were low, like a lot of those teams had various weird things going on. I think that the East got a little bit wonkier than the West did, even with Golden State stuff. So, okay, we're going to break this into two parts. You can find the other episode of our Eastern Conference win total expectations on Thursday. You can catch that in the feed. It'll be up on Thursday. We'll go through the rest of the Eastern Conference. Next week, we'll hit the West. Until then, thanks so much for joining us. And of course, let's get buckets.